Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to our service here at Brighton Road this morning. Whether you're here in the building or worshipping with us online, you're most welcome. We're delighted that you've joined us and we hope you'll feel very much part of God's family as we worship together. My name is Ken Carter. I'm one of the members here at Brighton Road and I'll be leading our worship and David Wickersham, another of our members, will be bringing God's word to us a little bit later in the service. Uh, For those who are unaware or perhaps unfamiliar with our church, our pastor Tim is beginning a three-month sabbatical uh, to engage in some personal study. So you'll see various members of our church family leading our worship and bringing God's word to us in the coming weeks. I begin just with a little bit of an apology uh, because uh, we've trying a new way of issuing our weekly bulletin uh, to keep you informed of all of the different activities and the life and work of our church. Uh, there was a slight glitch with the version that went out this week, uh, and in fact the events for this week are, are incorrect on the version that was circulated today. Uh, it makes still reference to the, the, the two morning services. Uh, that is incorrect uh, as of this week. Uh, you know that we're moving to to one morning service at 10.30. That will be corrected. We are trying something new, and it will evolve uh, over a period of time. So bear with us uh, just as we get this new format up and running. I wonder how you're feeling this morning after successfully navigating this first week of the new year. I wonder if it's been a good week, perhaps even a great week, Maybe a challenging week, an inspiring week perhaps, or maybe a difficult or even a very painful week for you. Whatever you're experiencing, this time, this place is where we can find refreshment, strength, comfort through the love and power and grace of God as we join together in worship this morning. Some of you might have heard of the theologian and Bible teacher Alistair Begg, who's known for reminding worship leaders that the Christian faith engages not just our hearts and our emotions, but our minds and our intellect. And that our worship, therefore, should be grounded in what we know to be the truth of the gospel. So allow me to begin our worship today with a reading from Romans 8. Words I know will be familiar to many of you, but which I hope will be helpful as we begin our worship to be reminded of the wonderful truth of the gospel of Jesus, as written in Romans 8 and verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the truth that unites us and brings us together this morning, physically or online. And so in the sure and certain knowledge that Christ died for us, that we are alive in him and that his strength can sustain us through whatever joys or struggles or heartaches this world might throw at us, then let us join this morning in worship 
as we sing our opening song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, here in the love of Christ, we stand. Let's join together as we worship God. Let's pray together, shall we? No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls us home. Here, in the power of Christ, we stand. Loving God, we thank you that we can know this morning that you are for us. And because you are for us, who can be against us? We thank you, Lord, that we can be certain of this because you've already given us the best, the greatest gift of all, your son Jesus, who came willingly to our world and who died that we might be saved and have life in you. Thank you, Father, that you don't condemn those who trust in your son, that though our conscience may accuse us of doing things that should make us guilty in your sight, we can know for certain that we have been accepted by you because Jesus has already paid the penalty our sin deserves.
We're so grateful, Lord, that this is true because deep in our hearts we know we still struggle with sin. And we confess, even in this last week, we've sinned against you in many different ways, conscious and unconscious. We ask now for your forgiveness, turning again from those things that so easily entangle us and seeking your grace that we might fight our own sinful nature and resist temptation. Lord God, we rejoice to know that whatever happens, you will not stop loving those who are your children because you've promised that the pressures and distresses of this life will not separate us from your love. Open our eyes this morning and help us to embrace this boundless grace and kindness you have shown us in Jesus and help us by your spirit to keep marvelling at it. Bless us, loving God, as we worship you this day. Amen. As we continue our worship, we're going to sing a song that we uncovered, I think, during lockdown and we used in some of our online services. And it's lovely to be able to use it here again as one of our, our live services here in the building. It's called, And Every Day That Dawns, I See the Light of Your Splendor Around Me. There are no shadows in your faithfulness and no limits to your love. As it might be unfamiliar, the worship group are going to sing the first verse and chorus, and then I'll invite you to stand as we join and sing it together. Thank you.
I wonder how many Strictly fans we have with us this morning. Or perhaps even if you're not a fan of the programme, you may have heard of the name Rose Ailing Ellis, the young actress known for her role in EastEnders, who took the show by storm and who went on to win it. And of course, what made this special is because Rose is entirely deaf, and yet she was able to dance spectacularly without actually being able to hear any of the music. Many will remember the famous couple's choice dance, which you see illustrated here on the screen, which featured an entirely silent sequence as part of the routine, and which created a very powerful experience for anyone watching. And there's no question that Rose's success in the show has massively increased the awareness and understanding of the deaf community. And Rose has herself admitted to being very surprised and even somewhat overwhelmed at the unexpected impact of her performance in raising the profile of the deaf community. A bit later in our service, and as part of our series entitled Encounters with Jesus, David is going to be focusing on the passage in John's Gospel, which features the calling of Nathaniel, a friend of Philip, uh, one of the, the less prominent disciples who's perhaps best known for being seated under a fig tree when his friend Philip called him to follow Jesus. And it struck me as I was preparing for the service and reading that passage that God can call us to follow him or to act for him at any time and in any situation. He may challenge us to make more of the opportunities he gives us to serve him wherever we live or whatever job we might have. And of course, when we begin that journey with him in faith, it's unlikely we'll have much knowledge of where exactly he it is, it is he's going to lead us or the impact that we might have by responding to that call. So segueing back for a moment to the success of Rose Ailing Ellis and Strictly, I'd like to share a short video of another young lady called Sarah Campbell, who responded to God's call. Um, we actually showed this video about a year or so ago in one of our online services, but it seemed to fit really well for the theme of our service today. And Sarah was simply serving Starbucks, serving coffee in Starbucks, uh, when she responded to God's call. And this is a little bit of her story. Thanks, Andy.
Let's hear Nathaniel's story again, shall we? The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. <coughs> Through Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, may I lead you in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, firstly, to express our love for you and desire to be like Jesus in our thoughts and actions. And we confess our failure to live up to our own wishes. Lord, our teacher Paul found himself doing things he didn't want to do and failing to do the things he wanted to do. And we share that experience. Help us to love as Jesus loved. Lord, we live in a world of injustice where the weak are abused and the powerful scorn your name. And we want to see your name praised and the poor raised up and a society characterised by love. Lord, how we pray that the peace the angels spoke of may abound in all the world, and particularly Syria, Yemen, Ethiopia and Libya. as we have, in particularly in these recent days, enjoyed the variety and abundance of tasty foods, we pray for those who face famine, especially the people of Afghanistan. May they receive the basic food and stuffs they so urgently need. Lord, forgive us that we have turned our eyes away from the sight of emaciated infants on our screens and change us into active carers for the needs of the hungry. Lord, as the world faces the anxieties of the Covid virus, we recognise its roots possibly lay in the human failure to follow your hygiene rules. And we thank you that you enabled scientists to discover appropriate vaccines to protect us. And we pray that these may be distributed fairly throughout the world and not mainly among the wealthy nations. Lord, as we experience colder weather, we pray for those poorly housed and, the world economic and as the world economic system strains to supply necessary heating fuel and the conflict that that creates as regards climate change, we ask that you will guide scientists and engineers towards energy sources that may heal the damaged planet. Father, we pray for those among us in our fellowship here experiencing pain, sadness or hardship. And we ask that you help us to discover how to share their grief and burden. Jesus, as we come into the new year, very conscious of human need and failure, we long that we in society may relearn that you are in control and remind ourselves of your promise to come and claim your kingdom. Make your church ready and trained to be part of that great revolution and enthuse us and our children and young people 
to live in readiness that we may welcome you into your kingdom of truth and righteousness, love and joy. Lord, where we can be the answer to these our prayers, make us willing to be your tools and hear our longings in the name of Jesus, our master and friend. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Before David comes to speak to us on the passage that we've read just a few moments ago, let's sing again a song that reflects the love and the grace that is lavished upon us, as well as the calling that God makes on us to serve him and to carry his gospel of peace to those around about us. There is an everlasting kindness you lavished on us. Let's join together in worship.
Well, good morning. Am I audible? Yes. Well, as Kenneth explained, um, this morning we're continuing our series where we are looking at uh, John's Gospel. And in particular, we're looking at people who encountered Jesus. Tim started us off last week when we were looking at Andrew meeting Jesus and the kind of chain reaction, if you like, that actually then flowed from it. And today we're continuing that theme because, yes, Philip had met Jesus. And today in the passage that Brian read, we, just, we, we see Philip um, racing to find Nathaniel and take him to encounter the Messiah. What I've got to warn you about is the fact that actually what follows is almost like a series of puzzles. It's not easy reading. It's as though there's some sort of dialogue running between Jesus and Nathaniel, and, and it's, I almost sort of in my mind think of it a bit like an iceberg. You see a bit on the top, but it's as though there's plenty going on underneath. So you've got to be a kind of a Bletchley Park sort of person to understand what on earth is going on. And by the way, just to kind of get your mind um, ready for a few puzzles, I better tidy away one little thing, and that is the puzzle, who was Nathaniel? It may seem a pretty sort of odd question, but the truth is, you only find mention of Nathaniel in John. John has it that Nathaniel indeed was a, a disciple, an apostle, one of the twelve. But when you read the Synoptic Gospels, Nathaniel isn't there. He's not mentioned at all. So what's going on? How is it that three Gospel writers can completely blank one of the twelve? Well, the clue is, of course, and you probably are aware, but just to make sure we all understand the point, um, the, gospel, the, the Gospel writers Matthew, Mark and Luke refer to Bartholomew. John doesn't. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's Bartholomew, who's a comrade, a pal, if you like, of, of Philip. In John, it's Nathaniel. And then, of course, there's another clue. Bartholomew has that structure, an Aramaic structure, Bartholomew, meaning son of. Bartimaeus, Barabbas. So we take the view that it's a general consensus that Nathaniel is indeed Bartholomew. So let's tidy one little puzzle away. Fine. So we're, going, we're doing well. But how on earth do we treat this extraordinary dialogue? Can anything good come from Nazareth? A man of no deceit. Is there significance in the fig tree? And then we read about angels ascending and descending. What's it all about? If I may, I'll start actually at the end. If we want to start unpicking what some of this dialogue means, let's start off at the very end where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What does that mean? Well, in actual fact, we start here because I think there is no contention. It's generally accepted, and you will see this from a lot of Bibles, which are the reference Bibles, because when, the, when you see this verse, it'll refer you back to Genesis and it'll refer you to Jacob's ladder. That's the general expectation or understanding of what Jesus is talking about. So, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. But how is it that Jesus, who is the most expert of communicators, how can he do the one thing that at school we're, never, we're taught never to do? Don't mix your metaphors. You know how it is. You, you're, you're taught, aren't you? Don't iron out bottlenecks. 
the one about keep your ear to the ground so that when you open your mouth, you don't put your foot in it. Here is Jesus who's coming out with the words, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open. Angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You see, when he called fishermen, it was so easy, wasn't it? Come and be fishers of men. They left their nets and followed him. When he went to a tax collector, he said, uh, I'm going to break all the taboos, I'm going to be the first person come and, to come and have lunch with you. It was all so straightforward, wasn't it? If Jesus had said those words to the fishermen, they'd have got straight back to their fishing. Or to the tax collector, he'd have got straight back to collecting tax. But the clue comes, in fact, right at the outset, when Philip breaks in on Nathaniel, what does he say? He says, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. You see, when Jesus called others, they weren't looking for him. They weren't expecting him. He just simply broke in on their lives. But when Jesus met, um, met Nathaniel, he was meeting someone who had been looking for him. To, 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 for Philip to say that they found the one implies a quest. They'd been searching. And they'd been searching the messianic texts. It's a little bit of a shame that we talk about Moses and the law, because in truth it means the first five books of the Bible. It's not the Ten Commandments. And so it is that Jesus feels at liberty for Nathaniel's sake, because this is a dialogue between him and Nathaniel, that he can just dip in and talk about that remarkable piece of Jacob and uh, Jacob's ladder. Jacob, as you may recall, was on his way to um, his kinsmen elsewhere because he didn't want to have a wife um, taken from the Canaanites. And on his journey to meet up with Laban, he actually had a dream. And he saw a staircase to heaven with angels, which was messengers, in fact. Messengers climbing, ascending and descending. It's this idea that one day there will be communication once more, reinstated between earth and heaven. So Jesus is quite happy to pluck that piece out of the first five books. And in it, he then drops a little piece from Ezekiel, the Son of Man. So Jesus does mix his metaphors, but for Nathaniel, it would have meant something quite profound. It was confirmation of something that he'd been studying as he perused the Messianic text. It was indeed, of course, Jesus who was to reinstate communication between us and our God. Let's just have another look at something else. And this is sort of rather more contentious because I have to say this is me, really, trying to make sense of this extraordinary thing, even on the, the first approach. When, when Jesus saw Nathaniel, Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. What did Jesus mean? You see, I think here we're disadvantaged. We think of names as labels. So, for example, I called my son Thomas. But you see, if I went back to Nathaniel and said, my son is Thomas, Nathaniel said, no, he's not. And I said, yes, he is, he, he's Thomas. And he said, no, no, he's not. Because Thomas, of course, in Hebrew means twin. Names have meanings. And so it is that 
in our Bible translations, I think that our translators always kind of stub their toes on this one, they don't translate the names. They don't translate the meaning. They import the label. So some Bible translators, in fact, say that Jesus is declaring that Nathanael is worthy of the name of Israel. So where do we go to find out what the meaning is of the name Israel? And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but we're back with Jacob, aren't we? Do you remember 20 years after his dream, Jacob was on his way homeward. He was looking to get back to his homeland. He was coming back with an entire family and his flocks. And he found one night that he was wrestling with a divine being. And the wrestling went on all night until daybreak. And Jacob said, I won't let you go until you've blessed me. And of course, it, we know, don't we, that that divine being indeed blessed Jacob and asked him, what is your name? And with the response of Jacob, the divine being said in future, you will be called Israel because you have striven with God. So you see, I think, and this is my view, if you want to correct me, form an orderly cue afterwards. But when Jesus is saying that he's of Israel, worthy of the name, I think that he knows that Nathaniel has been striving over those messianic prophecies. I think that it's something that Nathaniel had been agonizing over, striving over, striving with God. And Jesus knows that. He declares, indeed, he's a true Israelite, worthy of the name. Maybe Jesus was aware, of course, that when he said that, those around him would think, well, if he's saying he's truly an Israel, is he likening him to Jacob? Jacob, you remember, was absolutely frightful for his lies, his cheating, and his deceit. And I just wonder if in some way Jesus was aware of that, and Jesus wanted to make absolutely certain that, I mean, for example, that extraordinary situation where, where Jacob, you remember, actually went into his blind father dressed up in his brother's clothes and pretending to be his brother, claiming the blessing. And what an extraordinary piece of deceit. So I just wonder if, in a way, Jesus is sensitive to this and just reassures people, this is a man who's been striving, but in him there's nothing false. Don't misunderstand when I say he's worthy of the name of Israel. He's not coming with Jacob's baggage. And then we move on, don't we? The fig tree. Is there meaning here? There's more messianic pieces here too. It's a clear allusion to Micah chapter 4, verse 4. This is the, 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 the piece of scripture where we talk about swords being beaten into plowshares where everyone will have their own vine and at peace they will each sit under their own fig tree. Now some say that, they were, that this is entirely idiomatic that Nathaniel actually wasn't sitting under a fig tree he was merely studying scripture having his quiet time. I disagree. I'm sure that Jesus did indeed see Nathanael under a fig tree. But Nathanael was a devout man. He was pursuing assiduously the messianic texts. 
and I think he probably did it, under a fig tree, purely to, if you like, find the conducive atmosphere of sitting as the minor prophets had predicted, and it predicted that each would have their fig tree, their place of a quiet time. We can't really be certain of really what all of these things mean. It was so easy, wasn't it, in other encounters. But here, Jesus is meeting someone who has been studying, looking at the Messianic scriptures, and finally comes face to face with the one he's been seeking. What does it all mean to us? Well, we can all take away from this bits and pieces according to our circumstances. Don't we all rejoice in that glorious clarification that Jesus gave us? What it means, the uh, ladder of Jacob. Jesus is confirming that he is the one who is going to restore communications between man and God. And today we lift our hearts and we rejoice in Jesus. That through his death and resurrection he has indeed restored a true and straightforward way of reaching God. That communication is restored. Now I wonder also if for some of you you may find reminder of of God's omniscience. Jesus is showing extraordinary insight in Nathaniel. We don't necessarily understand exactly what's going on in the dialogue, but we don't need to. It wasn't directed to us. It was simply sufficient for Nathaniel to confess, yes, you are the Son of God. And that demonstrates how Jesus absolutely and totally understood Nathaniel. And he totally and completely understands each one of us. Whatever is on your heart as you come here today, perhaps rejoicing, but maybe also with anxieties, Concern for the new year. What is 2022 going to bring? Whether we face difficulties, health issues, anxieties, whatever they may be, be certain that God knows. And for myself, I find, well, actually, we all wrestle with God occasionally, don't we? We all struggle and work at at scripture. We find ourselves sometimes overwhelmed with circumstances that we always find incompatible with what we had understood would be our right or what we might expect as Christians. And we find ourselves grappling and wrestling. And perhaps it's just an opportunity to remind ourselves, well, of course, Jacob before that time when he wrestled, he'd only ever erected altars in the name of God, the God of his fathers. It was after that wrestling he was able to raise an altar to the God of Israel, his new name, his own God. And for Nathaniel, It was after struggling and searching the scriptures that he finally came face to face with Jesus. And I know that actually his confession that he made is twofold. He cries out, you are the son of God. But then perhaps as an afterthought, Remember that Jesus has actually said he is worthy of the name of Israel. This Nathaniel is worthy of the name of Israel. 
Nathaniel adds, you are the king of Israel. I perceive in that something personal. This is Nathaniel recognizing that he's not just the son of God, he is indeed Nathaniel's king. And I pray that today each of us will find opportunity to lift our hearts and reflecting on this passage for ourselves find that we are able to cry Alleluia Christ Jesus is our King Amen pray for a moment. Loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for David and the way he has so graciously and so carefully opened it before us today, sharing with us insights from a simple passage that we would perhaps never have gleaned just from simply reading it ourselves. Father, thank you. Thank you for the love and the grace that you have shown to us. May we learn from what we have experienced this morning in listening to your word, from that story of Nathaniel, that dialogue between Jesus and him, and Nathaniel's response to the call by his Lord to serve him. Father, may we respond to in our daily lives. Amen. And so we close our service with our final song. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Let's stand together as we sing.
rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. May God bless you as you go into this week.